All right, a couple of things out of the mailbox this week before we get to our lesson. Uh, greetings from the city of Sorsogon, Philippines, in the precious name of our Savior Jesus Christ, on behalf of the Amazing Grace Bible Believers Baptist Church. That's a long name. I would like to give our sincerest thanks for the box you sent full of uh, Bibles and New Testaments and Essence Christianity booklets and other teaching materials. We have received them safe and sound. I count it a blessing in my part as I do my duty to minister to God's dear flock in this other side, on this side of heaven. Thank you for helping us to equip and enable Christians here in the doctrine of our King James Bible. We perfectly know that the end of this uh, time is near and the rapture will soon take place. Thank you for the share of wisdom and knowledge that you have perfectly given us by deeply studying this marvelous book of all books. Thank you for producing these materials that lead many Bible-believing Christians to know and embrace God's Word. May the Lord reward all of the people at Bible Baptist Church. Thank you for the goodness you bestow upon us here in the Philippines. That's a nice letter, isn't it? And then this one says, uh, Dear Church, just wanted to send along a humble note of thanks for all your labor in the Word and in the work of the Lord. I've been listening recently to the sermons you preached on the book of Joshua regarding the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus and that the spiritual life is something to be obtained through faith in what God says and has done. I uh, just got done listening to sermon number five. What an absolute blessing this sermon series has been to me. Please know we are always praying for the ministry of the church there in Deland and ask that you keep us in your prayers as we seek to uh, serve the Lord in our area. So that's a blessing. And then uh, this one, dear, uh, that doesn't say dear, just says Brother James. <clears throat> you have the same old song and dance that every Bible-rejecting scholar and cult leader has. Why don't you teach the full counsel of God? You are not studying and praying. You have went to war with God and His Word long ago when a Christian showed you what the Bible says and you rejected the truth because of your pride. I see no hope for you. So, we get those every day too. I just, we just don't often read them. I thought I'd start throwing that into the mix. So You, you, would, you wouldn't think we're stacking the deck here. So, Amen. All right, Hebrews... Hebrews chapter 3, we'll get one or two of those a day. Hebrews chapter 3, usually from saved people. Hebrews 3 and John 17, we've been studying the names and the titles given to the Lord Jesus Christ in our blessed Holy Bible. We have seen Him as our Advocate. Aren't you glad you've got a defense attorney in the presence of God the Father? We've seen him to be the last Adam. There's only two. Everybody's in one. Some people are in the second. Have you, we're all born in Adam. Have you been born again, the last Adam? We saw he is the Almighty. He is the Alpha and Omega. He's the Ancient of Days. Tonight, the Bible says in Hebrews 3... And verse number 1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle. See the capital A there? That's, that's a name given to the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. And then with that, John 17 John 17, verse number 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Father, bless your word to our hearts tonight. Give us good understanding and good comprehension that we might love our Lord Jesus more uh, this evening than we did the day before. And we thank you for it. In his precious and holy name, amen. An apostle is a sent one. One sent by God into the world to represent God in the world. 
And there have been many apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. There were uh, 12 chosen out of his uh, uh, company of disciples. And when one of them uh, fell by the wayside, a, a a 13th was picked to replace the 12th. And then later in the book of Acts, you read of Paul the Apostle and other men who were apostles sent by God into the world. But there's only one apostle who got a capital A upon his name. There's only one apostle who is set forth, sent forth into the world by God who perfectly, in all ways and at all times, represented God the Father. Now, if we read about the life of Peter, Peter was an apostle. But we could find some things in Peter's life that did not accurately represent the God whom he was representing. If we looked at the life of the Apostle Paul, we would find some areas in his life where he did not accurately manifest the character and the will and the ways of the God whom he represented. If we had enough information given to us in the Bible of any of the Lord's apostles, we would find that what is said of, of, the, of, of us is said of them, that there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. We would find that, that even when we would do good, that evil is present with us, and we find ourselves unable to be all that God would want us to be. We find ourselves unable to be all that we would want to be for God. But there is one apostle with a capital A upon his name who did always those things that perfectly represented the God who sent him into the world. His every word, his every deed, his every thought, his every, everything that he, that he ever uh, set forth, everything that he ever showed men, every, every encounter that he ever had with a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl, showed, he showed himself as the express image of God so that this world had somebody once and only once who didn't come into the world to talk about God, who didn't come into the world to say who God was and to say what God is. Somebody came into the world who perfectly revealed God to man so that it could be said that he had been seen and handled and heard God himself manifest in a body of human flesh. Now, Jesus Christ uh, is, is eternal, as we've seen. He's the Ancient of Days and... And he, he wasn't created as other men are, and he didn't have a beginning point to his existence as other men do. But he did leave the glory of heaven and take upon him the form of a man. And he did humble himself to be found in fashion as a man, and that was done in response to the will of his father. The Father sent the Son into the world to be His apostle. Uh, Jesus said in one place, As the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. When Jesus sent His apostles into the world to proclaim the good news of, of who God is and, and what God is and what God has done for mankind and why mankind needs God to do all that God has done for Him, the, the earthly apostles were just little tiny uh, representations of what the great apostle, the Lord Jesus Christ, was when he came into the world. Let's look in 2 Corinthians 12 along with John chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 12 and John chapter number 5. Now, many people claim to be apostles, even in our day. You have... Uh, Preachers in certain groups and certain denominations who call themselves apostles. And down through church history, there have been men who claim to have apostolic gifts or apostolic succession or uh, things of this nature. But the Bible is pretty clear on these matters. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse number 12 says, Truly, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Now, it's a great thing to preach the Word of God. It's a great thing to preach the Word of God with power. It's a great thing to preach the Word of God with results. But that is not the sign of an apostle. There are thousands, maybe millions of people in this world that preach the gospel as it should be preached and thank the Lord for it. That doesn't make them apostles. There are many people who have dedicated themselves to the work of God and have done many wonderful works in the name of God. And, and we thank the Lord for all of them. That doesn't make them an apostle. 
The apostles were gifted by God to perform signs and wonders and miraculous deeds so that there would be no mistaking that God sent that man into the world. And, and these, um, these miracles were seen in, in, in certain periods of time throughout history. God wrought supernaturally. Whenever God... Uh, wanted to change his method of operation in the world, he manifested that by the working of signs and wonders and miracles. Moses was given the power to work miracles. For 1,500 years since Adam left the garden, no man wrought miracles. Come on now, there's not a one in Genesis. Why? God isn't changing anything as regard to his dealings with man. You had, a, you had a, 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 a casting out from the garden. You had the, the flood of Noah's day. You had the scattering of nations at the Tower of Babel. You had the call of Abraham. You had the Hebrew people going into captivity in Egypt. But there's no miracles wrought by the hands of men until God sends Moses in to do battle with Pharaoh. Why? Because we're going to have a change in operation. God is going to give His Word in writing to the Hebrew people. Those miracles are passed from Moses to Joshua. They last one generation. One generation after the original miracles appear. Moses, then Joshua, then they vanish off the scene. And throughout all the time period of Joshua, the settling of the land, all the wars of the judges, all through the history of the kings and Samuel and kings and chronicles, all through the Psalms, there's nobody working any miracles. They don't show up until God's about to, to redirect. And then Elijah steps on the scene. And for the first time in nearly a thousand years, a man works miracles. Miracle power given him by God because we're moving now from the law to the time of the prophets and God will speak through these men and call the nation to repentance and call upon them to carry his word to the Gentiles and so forth. And, and so Elijah has this miracle working power and then one generation after Elijah, Elisha has miracle working power and then they're gone. They're over just as quickly as they came. The miracles fade from view. And from the time that Elisha dies until the time that Jesus Christ begins his public ministry at the age 30, you won't find a single man in all the Bible working miracles. How, how interesting that is. Jesus Christ comes into this world sent by His Father. He proves Himself to be sent from God. He proves that there is a, a change in God's dealings with the human race by the working of miracles. His apostles work miracles. One generation after Jesus, the signs of the apostles continue, and then the miracles vanish. They go out, and they're not seen again. For 2,000 years of human history, the miracles are, are they're gone. Now, the law, that's, that's God's first change in His dealings with man, according to Scripture. From Adam to the law, then God gives the law. The law and then the prophets. And the Bible says the law and the prophets were until John, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, the next the next dramatic shift on the earthly scene is not of God, it's of the devil. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't introduce some new thing. There's the Savior from Bethlehem. There's the Savior from Calvary. There's the Savior from the empty tomb coming back to claim what He purchased at the cross. But prior to that coming... There is an outbreak, a worldwide outbreak of miracles, but they're false miracles. Of wonders, but they're false wonders, deceiving, if it were possible, even the very elect as, a, as the coming anti-Christ, false Christ, the coming anti-prophet, false prophet, as they are heralded by anti-miracles, false miracles. Now, stay with me. The apostles preached the gospel 
to people who spoke languages the apostles didn't know by the miraculous gift of other tongues. You know what they were? Real languages. When people today say they have the supernatural gift of tongues, they speak real gibberish. They're false. In the days of the apostles, men were bitten by serpents and shook them off and knew no hurt. Because the Lord said, if they were bitten by serpents, it wouldn't hurt them. Men today claim to be apostles and handle rattlesnakes, but not for long. Because when the rattlesnakes bite them, they bite the dust. False gifts. Listen, if you, if you have the gift of healing, you go into a city as the apostles did and you heal everybody. If you're claiming to have the gift of healing, you line people up in a church building and heal none of them but those who weren't really sick and feel better now that you smacked them on the forehead. You don't go to hospitals. You don't go to nursing homes. You don't go to the hospice center. You make people come to you in a church and you take their money and don't do anything for them. These are false. So, so what are we saying? Anybody can claim to be an apostle. But the proof that one is an apostle is the supernatural, miraculous power of God that is manifest in their lives. The Bible says in John chapter number 5 of Jesus Christ, John 5 and verse number 36, start reading there, John 5 and verse 36. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. There's an apostle, a sent one. How does he prove it? By the works that he does. Now, now, carefully, carefully, because I don't, I don't want to misunderstand. Every saved person has been saved so they can do good works. Titus 3, 11 through 14. Every saved person has been given salvation by grace so they can then do good works. Ephesians 3, 8, 9, and 10. But whether you're saved or whether you're lost, you can pick up people in a vehicle and bring them to church. It's a good work, but it doesn't prove God sent you. Saved people and lost people can hand out pieces of paper with Bible verses on it. Apparently we're about to find that out. That doesn't mean God sent you. Saved people and lost people can feed homeless people or raise money for the, the disadvantaged around the world. Those are good works, but they don't prove you're sent from God. Three times in history, people turned rivers into blood. Three times in history, people smote water with, a, with a, a, an overcoat and rivers parted or the, or the waters allowed them to walk upon their very, their very tops. Three times in history, men raised other men from the dead. We're not talking about doing good works. We're talking about unmistakable proof. That somebody was sent by God because God enabled them to perform supernatural, miraculous works that had not been seen for thousands of years and wouldn't be seen again. That's, that's the apostolic gift, and Jesus Christ certainly had it. There's no question he was sent from God. His enemies, Nicodemus came by night, and he said, Master, we know that thou art a teacher sent from God. For no man can do these works that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus proved his apostolic ministry by the miracles that he wrought. Now, as I said, it's, uh, it's big business in America today to call yourself a healer. It's big business to, uh, and to call yourself a, a miracle worker and so forth. But, but honestly, if the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit ever decided to bless you, you wouldn't need a catcher to keep you from busting your brains out. That's not the work of the Holy Spirit, it's the work of a hypnotist. 
And we've, we've got documented proof for that. You could, anyway, you so, so, so Jesus didn't go around and say, I'm an apostle. He just took leprosy out of the bodies of lepers. He didn't go around saying he was apostle. He just restored crippled limbs and, and deformed limbs and made them whole. He didn't go around saying he was an apostle. He, he went where men were blind and gave them sight. He went to funerals and raised the dead. Now, you might have a guy on your radio who says he's an apostle, or somebody on your Christian TV station says he's an apostle, but they're not doing any of the things apostles did. Jesus did. He's an apostle. So, in addition to the miracles, let's look at 1 John, not the Gospel of John. We'll be back to the Gospel of John in a minute. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4. And Matthew 21. 1 John chapter 4. And Matthew chapter number 21. Jesus proved He was sent by God the Father by the miracles that He wrought. But why was He sent? He wasn't sent to work miracles. He worked miracles to prove He had been sent... And once men and women were convinced he had been sent by God, then he revealed to them the reason why he had been sent. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now, if I, if I was sick, I would want to get well. I would. And somebody asked me the other day, said, do you, do you use natural stuff when you're sick or do you use medical stuff when you're sick? I said, yes. I take it all. I mix it all together. I just make this, this cocktail bomb of everything everybody suggests and drink it all down and hope something works. Somebody says you need to sleep more, I'll try to sleep more one day. If I say you're sleeping too much, I'll try to get up early the next day. Look, when I'm sick, I want to get well. How about you? These people say, well, you know what? When I'm sick and when I'm weak, I draw so much closer to God. And good for you. I'm glad you do. You just get as close to God as you can. I want to get well. Because when I get sick, I just, I just become a whining, pouting baby. I'm sick. People say, you want me to come by and visit? No. No, I don't. Because if you ever saw what I was like when I was sick, you'd never want to come to church again. It's, it's disgusting. Now, some of you, you're probably real spiritual when you're sick and your body's hurting, but I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just that far over the line of the spiritual as it is. It doesn't take much to tip me back over on the, on the other side. So anyway, um, when I'm sick, I want to get well. And I've talked to Christians, godly Christians. I mean, Christians knew the Bible who said, you know, after seven, eight, nine, ten years of hurting and not getting well, after seven, eight, nine, ten years of doctor after doctor and prescription after prescription and voodoo treatment after voodoo treatment, you start believing what those guys say. Even though you know it's not true, you're just hoping maybe you'll be the one time they luck out and actually heal somebody. Come on now. And, and you say, well, that's a bunch of fools. You can say whatever you want. You hadn't been that sick yet. And you haven't been hurting that bad yet. And you haven't hurt that bad for that long yet. And I say, there's going to be a real hot place in hell for people who use the name of Jesus to prey upon people at their weakest. That's what I believe. Because you, you know good and well, when you look in that TV camera, there's got to be somebody out there with liver trouble. Of course there is. I just, I just feel tonight that somebody watching uh, has, has emotional problems. Of course, that's why they're watching you. <laughs> and the fact that somebody put their hand on the, on the TV screen, they used to put your hand on the radio, you know, so you could feel the spirit. I want to feel spirit. Take that radio with you in the bathtub. And you, you feel, you'll never be sick again a, a day in your life. But anyway, um, 
So they're talking about us healing. But here, here's my problem with it. If they were healing, if you get well and don't get saved, you go to hell healthy. If you got over your cancer and you got over your rheumatism and you got over your toothache and all the rest of that stuff, but you didn't come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, what a tragedy that somebody offered you a miracle but didn't offer you the person who wrought the miracles so you could know He was the Savior. Jesus didn't come into the world to work miracles. He came into the world to be the Savior of sinners. How would you know He's the Savior and not one of those Pharisees, not one of those prophets, and not one of those ringleaders and rabble-rousers that they talked about when they were, were trying to get rid of Jesus? Because He raised Jairus' son from the dead. He uh, Jairus' daughter. He raised the widow of Nain's son from the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And nobody else did that stuff. He sent lepers home clean. He sent blind men home seeing. He loosed the dumb, the tongue of the dumb so they could praise God. That's how you know He's the Savior. Now trust Him. He came into the world to be the Savior. Thank God. That's why the Father sent Him. Now, look at Matthew 21. Matthew 21. Verse 33. Here another parable. Brother Andy was with this back before they fled from Orlando to Texas. Brother Andy said he's going to the chiropractor's office one day. And there were three big, you know, supercars out in the parking lot. He thought, that's odd. And he went inside. He said as he, as he went into the, they opened the door. And these two guys came out. And one had a fellow, each fellow by the arm. One on each side had this fellow by the arms. And he had a coat pulled up over his head. And Andy thought, I, I will turn, turn aside to see this great sight. And so instead of going to the chiropractor's office, he just followed him out in the parking lot because he wanted to know who's coming out of the chiropractor with a man leading him by each arm and a coat pulled over his head. And guess who was under the coat? Benny Hinn. Well, Benny, why don't you smack yourself on the forehead? Why don't you b blow on yourself or wave your coat at yourself? But see, when Benny was hurting in his back, he went and got adjusted down to chiropractor. Not a problem with going to chiropractor. But I do when he's driving an $80,000 car with money that he ripped off from people claiming to be able to heal him. I got a problem with that. So anyway, that was, that was a little interesting situation that happened a little while back. All right, Matthew 21. Matthew 21, verse 33. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandman took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But... When the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him, and cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. When the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto their husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God should be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. So what did he just say? If you are the guys who rejected the Son, if you are the guys who are going to lose the kingdom, then guess who I am? I'm the Son. I'm the heir. And you'd rather kill me then let me be your Savior. See, the miracles proved who He was, but that doesn't guarantee people are going to want Him. See that? Now, that's important for this reason. You, at probably at some time in your Christian life, 
like me, many times in my Christian life, have thought it sure would be easier to witness to these people if I could do some miracles. Come on, you're, you're, you're out there knocking on doors and first door slams in your face and second door slams in your face and third door slams in your face. And what you'd like to do when the fourth door opens is just hold out your hand and have a ball of fire spring up in it and say, Hey, <laughs> I'd like to talk to you about God and then wave your hand, turn it into a block of ice. You say, well, it'd sure be easier to get people's attention and witness to them if you could work miracles. And it would. And when Moses worked all those miracles and led the children of Israel out of Egypt, there weren't but two of them that believed God. The rest of them all died in unbelief in the wilderness. After seeing the ten plagues and the Passover and the parting of the Red Sea. Think about that. When Elijah wrought a lifetime work of miracles and then went to heaven in a chariot of fire, as soon as Elisha got on the scene, he was dealing with the same apostasy and unbelief in the nation that Elijah had dealt with. And Jesus worked all those miracles and the mob cried, crucify him, crucify him, away with this man. So let me encourage you. If you could work miracles, they would not produce belief. They would confirm you were sent by God, but that wouldn't make people believe in the God who sent you. Because the three time periods in the Bible when, when, when men worked miracles, the results were not much different than the time periods when men didn't work miracles. Faith, listen, by grace are you saved through faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You're going, to believe, you're going to believe God if you put faith in what He said. You're not going to believe God if you see something that He did. Even if it's supernatural. That's just the way it goes. So, you can get over wishing you could work miracles. Though I'd still like to do a few. Just... So the Catholic Church could make me a saint when I was dead. So. All right. So Jesus is the apostle of our profession. He's sent by God the Father. He was proven to be an apostle with the signs that he wrought. But he wrought the signs to show that he was sent into the world to be the Savior. All right. Let's go to John. Book of John. Chapter number 5. The Father sent Jesus, His one true Apostle, capital A, into the world. Bible says, John 5, 25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For, as the Father hath life in Himself, so hath He given to the Son to have life in Himself. And hath given Him authority to execute judgment also, because He is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice. Some shall come forth, and shall come forth. They that have done good on the resurrection of life, they that have done evil on the resurrection of damnation. So, the Father sent the Son into the world. And before he sent him, here's what, here's what he said. I have life in me. I'm, I'm God. And I'm giving you, when you become man, I am giving you power on my behalf to give life to whomsoever you will. And I, I, because I'm God, the righteous, all-knowing God, I can execute proper 
judgment upon the sons of Adam. But I'm giving you the authority to execute that same judgment. So when Jesus came into the world, he was given authority by his Father to say, Do you believe on me? No? Okay. Then you don't have life. Do you believe on me? Yes, Lord, I do. Then you have life. Jesus Christ was sent by the Father, not just to be the Savior, but to save. And not to save everybody, but to save those that passed His judgment. He said, believe on me. Look on me. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must son may be lifted up, who served believeth on him, not perish, but have eternal life. And so Jesus said, did you look to me for salvation? I give you life. You want to do something else? Okay, fine. I pronounce you guilty. The Father, listen, Jesus is God's apostle. And he was empowered by the God he represented to, in his body of flesh, give life to whomsoever he will. I'm glad he gave me that life. I'm so glad. All right, now look earlier in the chapter, John 5 and verse 17. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him. Because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. That's what it means for him to claim he's the Son of God. It's equality. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Now, if he's equal with God, he can do anything. But because he's sent by the Father to be an apostle, he can't. He can only do what the Father bid him do because he is the apostle. Now now watch this. This prophet came to Paul and said, don't go to Jerusalem. And he said, I'm going. And he went from town to town on his way to Jerusalem. And one person after another said, Paul, the Holy Spirit said, don't go to Jerusalem. He said, i got to go. And he goes to this one city, this, this fellow takes Paul's uh, garment and he binds himself up. And he says, see that? That's what they're going to do to you. He said, I don't care. I'm going anyway. Now, Paul was an apostle. But you know why there's no capital A on apostle in Paul's name? Because he didn't always do what the Father wanted him to do. Sometimes he did what he wanted to do. How about that? The apostle Peter is sitting up on the roof, and the Lord sends this this sheet down with these animals in it. It says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord. I don't want to. I'm not going to. And on the third time, he finally started to kind of catch on and get with the program, but, but Peter had some ideas of his own. Jesus Christ walked this earth for three and one half years and didn't have ideas of his own. He said, what the Father tells me to do, that's what I do. What the Father tells me to say, that's what I say. Why? Because he was sent from God to represent God. Not to do his own thing, to do the Father's thing. Now, verse number 19, I'm sorry, 20. For the Father loved the Son and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Now, quicken is better, to quicken is better than to give life. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he gave him life. But he did not quicken him. Lazarus died again when Jesus uh, raised uh, Jairus' daughter from the dead. He quickened her, but he did not, uh, he gave her life, but he didn't quicken her. She died again. To quicken is to make alive so as to never die again. You know what Jesus said? The Father, the Father gave me authority 
to quicken whomsoever I will. Not just to give you life, but to give you unending, everlasting life. Praise the Lord. Now, now think about it. Paul raised people from the dead. He could give them life with his hands, but he couldn't quicken them. We don't know as the other apostles traveled the world how many people we don't, how many people were raised from the dead in this city, that city, this town, this nation. That, we have no idea. But none of those people were quickened by an apostle with a small a on the front of his name. But there's one apostle sent from God who can give you life that never, 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 never ends. That's Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. All right, John chapter 11. John chapter 11. John 11. Let's start at verse number 38. Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. She's trying to keep Jesus from embarrassing himself and everyone else. After just saying, well, look, look go back, let me show you. Verse 25, uh, no, no, uh, 23. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. See, there's life and there's quickening. Believest thou this? Believest thou this? Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. That's not this. See, she believed that he was who he said he was, but she didn't believe he could do what he said he could do. Anybody else have that problem from time to time? Lord said, I, you, you, know, you believe me? Yeah, I believe you. I believe you're the Son of God. That's not what I ask you. <laughs> I ask you about that thing. So anyway, they get to the grave, and Martha says, you can't do that. You can't roll that stone away. Verse 40, Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, uh, and when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth. Now, I, I, would, I would not stand up here before you tonight and say, watch this. And pray out loud in front of all of you. So that when my prayer was answered, you know God had sent me. I don't know about you, all my prayers don't get answered. And a lot of them get answered, but not in accord with what I prayed. Because God didn't send me into the world to show you that I was His apostle. But he sent his son into the world to show the world that he was his apostle and savior of the world. And so Jesus said, Father, I really don't have to say this out loud. I mean, you know what's in my heart. I know what's in your heart. I mean, we're in communication all the time. But so these people can know that you sent me. I'm, I'm asking you out loud. And then he calls Lazarus forth from the grave. Now, what did he just do? He confirmed that he was the apostle with the power to give life and the power to quicken by the miracles that he wrought in the eyes of the people. That's what he did. Now, he doesn't have to keep raising people from the dead to prove he's the resurrection and the life. He did it. So now we believe on him. We don't have to keep seeing miracles. We have it. Okay, so life quickening uh, the prayer they praise there. Look at John 6. John chapter number 6. 
John 6. Verse 38, for I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise them up at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. So, we see it again. Jesus Christ was sent into the world. Apostle. He was sent by the Father. He was sent not to establish a religion or do his own thing or raid villages and collect wives or any of the other things that these so-called apostles have done throughout time. He was sent to do the Father's will so that having done the Father's will, he could give everlasting life to everyone who believed on him. That's why he came. That was the purpose of his apostolic ministry. Now, what would apostles do, small a apostles do, if they went forth in the name of Jesus Christ? They would not work miracles to make a name for themselves. They would work miracles to encourage people to believe that God had sent them. And once people were convinced that God had sent them, they would refuse all worship and adoration and say, no, 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 we are here so you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There were several occasions in the book of Acts when the apostles wrought miracles and the people wanted to worship the apostles. And they, they refused, they fought them off, said, no, now that we got your attention, let us tell you about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. That's why he came. He didn't come to be an apostle. He came as an apostle so he could be the Savior. All right, John chapter 9. Let's go there. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Verse number 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day the night cometh when no man can work I must work the works of him that sent me so up in heaven the father is present invisible God First Timothy 1.17 the son with him eternally at the father's right hand and as, as time unfolded, God dealt with man in various ways for 4,000 years. But when the fullness of the time was come, look at Galatians chapter 4. What happened? When the fullness of the time was come, Galatians 4. Verse number 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son. See the apostle? Made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So the Father says to the Son, I cannot save them by law. I cannot save them by their works. I cannot save them by animal sacrifice. I, I cannot save them by, by all these trial and error uh, procedures that men keep going through. Son, I am sending you to be their Savior. Now, the only way you can be their Savior is if you do what none of them has ever done. You have to do only what pleases me. You have to live in perfect obedience to my heart every moment of your life. Only then 
can you be their Savior. Only then can you be a sacrifice acceptable for payment for their sin. Son, I'm sending you into the world to be made of a woman, to be made under the law, to prove by miracles that you have been sent by me, and then to die that you might give life, that you might quicken all those that believe on you. Father, I will go. The Father sent the Son into the world to be our apostle. Look at Hebrews chapter 3. We'll finish up where we started. Hebrews chapter number 3. Wherefore, Hebrews 3 verse 1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. Okay, so with this truth in my mind, what am I to consider? Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, our profession, Jesus Christ who is faithful to Him. What would my apostle who has saved me desire that I learn of Him? That it is most blessed to please the Father. To be holy. To live as one who possesses a heavenly calling. If you're saved, if you're saved, you don't have to live for the Lord. He's not going to make you. But your calling is not an earthly one, it's a heavenly one. And if all of your life's gifts and abilities and inclinations ran in such a way that you could have been the, the finest bread baker in your town, and you spent your life doing something else, wouldn't be a ruined life or a wasted life, but it, it sure wouldn't be what God made you to do. If you had a beautiful singing voice and you're just full of bitterness and unhappiness and you never sang, what a, what a waste of what God had given you to do. And save people, every one of us has received a heavenly calling. And so many saved people are frustrated and they think it's because of the politics of the world or the tax system or the corrupt churches. Or the, the, the problem is we've been called to heavenly things and we're devoting our lives to earthly things and we're just missing out on what God made us for, what He crafted us and formed us for when He saved us, to be holy brethren and partakers of that heavenly calling. So, may God help us. We'll never be faithful like Jesus was. But we should follow in His steps and be as faithful as, as we can be. Amen. So, alright. So, the Father sent the Son. He's the Apostle. Capital A. Praise the Lord. Amen.